0: Right now it's time to shine a light on a good cause. It's something Erin and I like to do each Sunday afternoon and this week we're talking about the School for Life Foundation. It's a not-for-profit organisation working in Uganda and the aim is to empower communities to help themselves and create their own opportunities. And they do that by building schools and providing communities with a quality education and all of the opportunities that come with that. Now there are two young Australians behind this. The first is Annabelle Chauncey, who was volunteering in Kenya back in, I think it was about 2007, 2008, and also David Everett, and they are the founders of School for Life, and as I said, they met while working as volunteers in Kenya. Annabelle grew up in rural New South Wales and has a a string of honours to her name, including the Medal of the Order of Australia, and I'm very honoured to say that she's here in the studio with us this afternoon. Annabelle, thank you for joining me on Weekend Edition. Thanks for having me. So take me back to that time you were, what, 21, taking a break from your uni degree and you found yourself in Kenya and Uganda. What was it about that experience that moved you so much that prompted you to set up this foundation?
1: Oh, it was just overwhelming, to be honest. It was the most unbelievable, humbling and kind of levelling experience. I'd come from um, a very small town. It was a town called um, Canyon Lee in the country um, and, you know, grown up in small rural environments and basically, you know, decided to take six months off to go over to teach English to kids in Kenya. Um, and very sadly, six weeks into that experience, Kenya erupted into civil war just after the election in 2007. So I was actually evacuated across the border into Uganda. And it was when I got into Uganda, I was just blown away. Firstly, by the fact that it's a country the same size as the state of Victoria um, and has a population of 43 million people. Oh, my gosh. 50% of whom are aged under 14 and only 50% of whom complete primary school. So, just overwhelming statistically. But for me, it wasn't really just about the stats. It was more so about the people. You know, they've got absolutely nothing but they'll welcome you so warmly and openly into their communities and just make you feel such a big part of their, you know, their home. Um, And I just couldn't believe... I guess the fact that you can have so little but be so willing to share and it really, really moved me Um, but also just the resilience and the the fact that the kids just love going to school every day. They turn up, they walk between 5 and 10 kilometres to get there on an empty stomach and then when they arrive, you know, they've just got these bright, beautiful faces and they're just so, so excited about the opportunity to be at school. So I thought it can't be that difficult to do something to make a difference.
0: Uh, well, you built a whole school. <laughs> three in, now. Three now. <laughs> it's incredible. How do you go about building a school on, on the other side of the world? You were obviously fundraising, but how did you even make it happen from that original idea?
1: Yeah, lots of um, lots of meetings, obviously. Um, we had to spend a significant amount of time with the Ministry of Education in Uganda, um, and then we worked on acquisition of land, which is old system title in Uganda, so that was quite interesting. And then once we'd acquired the land, we needed to turn a jungle into, into a school, so a big part of that was the empowerment of the community and making sure that we empowered the local leaders to help themselves and to really drive the vision for the foundation forward. So every single thing we did was done by hand. Um, so from the foundations being hand dug to the bricks being pressed on site um, and little by little, piece by piece, the schools came to life. So in 2011, we opened our first two classrooms with 80 kids and five teachers. And ever since
0: then, it's just grown. And so they would have been kids that wouldn't have had an an education otherwise or perhaps not a quality education? Absolutely. So within the proximity um,
1: of our schools, there are no other schools um, 10 kilometre radius. Mm. So we um, service that community really well and those kids wouldn't have had a chance to go to school.
0: And I'm guessing that with the construction of a school comes jobs for other members of the community. So construction... Teaching, is that something you had to, are you finding local teachers or are you using Australian teachers? All our team are local, um, which is a big part
1: of the model. Really, really passionate about sustainability and capacity development. So all of our teachers um, come from either within the community or we bring them in from Kampala. And then we employ 120 people as cooks, cleaners, staff, builders, maintenance, teachers, security, everything that we need to be able to make these schools fully functional.
0: I was at your um, ten-year anniversary at the the fundraiser, yeah. <laughs> this amazing black tie fundraising ball in Sydney to raise money for this because obviously. There is a lot of money behind it. Um, Ten years on, you said three schools now. How much have you had to fundraise to to get that to happen? We've raised just over $8 million. um, And basically,
1: I mean, they're not really just schools. They're really holistic. So we provide access to clean drinking water. We provide vocational and training um, facilities. We... um, Upskill the teachers. Um, we also do things like feed the kids three nutritious meals a day. Mm-hmm. We've got healthcare cl- clinics on site. So, very holistic in our approach to basically mobilize entire communities out of poverty. Um, so the fundraising is obviously a core part of what we do. Um, and the generosity of
0: Australians has just been overwhelming to get behind this and be a part of the journey. Tell me about um, one of the schools or perhaps one of the families that's really been impacted by what you're doing and, and about the difference that it's making.
1: Oh, wow. It's um, it's hard to pick one because there are just so <laughs> many. But, you know, um, one of my favourite stories is about a little girl called Pauline. She came to school for life. She has Down syndrome. She had such significant malnutrition that her hair had actually turned red. And when she came to school for life, she said only one word, and that was data. She'd been seriously ne- neglected, primarily due to the fact that often disability is stigmatised in Uganda. So we welcomed her with open arms, and we've provided her with specialised education. But what I love about that, the story of Pauline is that she's been embraced into the local community and so many of the parents um, who have kids with special needs are now bringing them forward and, you know, saying, can we help, Um, can the kids be part of our community? And I just think it's amazing just to see the flow on and ripple effect. That education can have not just for the child but also for the community it's
0: just incredible. You're giving me goosebumps now you took Channel 9's um, Georgie Gardner to Uganda along with her daughter and I understand you now run trips for parents and children to go to Uganda and see what a difference you're making that must have been an incredible experience yeah, for a young girl to see. Definitely. I mean, Georgie and her daughter Bronte are just amazing
1: people and um, so humble and generous. And so they um, were the pioneers, I guess, for the program. And when I saw how incredible that experience was for Georgie and Bronte, I thought, you know what, there's a real opportunity here in instilling a sense of service in the next generation. And it's really humbling to, to watch, um, A, from a parent bonding perspective with their child, but B, from the perspective of taking a child out outside of their home environment where we are very lucky in Australia and immersing them in a community completely different to their own. Um, It's just such an eye-opening experience. But also I just think it just just bubbles away um, under the surface and it will walk with the kids as they grow and as they start to make decisions as adults and as they start to choose what career they want to do and who they want to be. So I just love that trip. It's called Travel for Good and we now run it in the July school holidays. We do two and then we do two in the September school holidays as well. Goals, so.
0: That's incredible. How many kids do you take at a time? We or take couples. 20, yeah. yeah. So a yeah.
1: maximum of 20 per group, which is really important as well so that people can really feel like they're not kind of just bombarding mm-hmm. the schools. They're not zoos, obviously. Yeah. Um, but they're really meaningful experiences. And I just absolutely love with children how the fact that, you know, doesn't matter about your skin colour, doesn't matter about anything – Um, There's just a universal language, um, primarily through sport. Um, The kids just love to play together and there just aren't any judgments.
0: It's beautiful to see. What's the next project?
1: Next project, we're actually going to turn our high school into a boarding facility. Um, we've had an overwhelming need to protect our girls primarily, um, also our boys, of course, but what we're facing are some challenges um, with retention of girls as they reach their teenage years, um, primarily just due to some of the risks um, around the village. Our kids sleep on the floor of mud huts. Most of them have eight or ten brothers and sisters. Mm. Uh, many of them are, you know, Walking to school, quite you know, three, four, five kilometers to get to school every day. So we've decided to deepen the um, experience and the opportunity for our students. We're going to provide boarding facilities at the high school level. I see education as an investment. You know, you've got to really invest in it, start to finish. And I just the last thing I want to see are those girls dropping out. Dropping
0: out, yeah. We do have issues in Australia, not like I mean, not to that extent, but in some parts of the country. Have you ever considered? moving local? I mean, you've done so much. I would love to. Yeah, you've yeah. done so much international, but would you consider almost starting a branch here? Absolutely, definitely. I mean, at the moment, we're just kind of perfecting
1: the Uganda model. Um, and I think, again, it's all about the education and also the capacity development side of things. So giving people the skills that they need to be self-sustaining. Um, and in time, I think the world's our oyster in terms of being able to replicate that model because education is such a gift that can't be taken away. So mm. it's very scalable.
0: Well, it's incredible what you've done since Thank that trip you. back in 2008, you've made such a difference and I know there have been plenty of accolades but I think it's nice to, to spread the word about what you're doing because it, it is truly making a difference. It's Thanks incredible. you so much Nat, I really appreciate it. No problem yeah. at all. Thank you so much for your time. That's Annabelle Chauncey there, OAM I should say, um, the head of School for Life Foundation, this not-for-profit organisation that is making a huge difference in Uganda and you never know, maybe one day here as well but involving a lot of Australians.